Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Whoa! The The horror. horror. Thank you for joining us. We dive deep into all things. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. One more time. (laughs) Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, or whatever you have to do to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check our website out at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. You can do all of those things. I was sitting there while we were going through that. I'm like, here's episode 100. And I've been reading it off that sheet every single episode. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, why can't I remember this? And then I jumbled it up. Yeah. It's like, that's so, why I have it written down. That's why I read it off the sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't trust myself. Sometimes I get it wrong when I read it off the sheet. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what, guys? Words are hard. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently they're hard. Sentences are hard. Mm-hmm. Paragraphs are even harder. Yeah. Some phrases. Yeah, oh, don't even get me started. Yeah. On phrases. <laughs> what do phrases do to you, Jen? <laughs> Hundred episodes. Hundred. The Century Club. We are in the Century Club. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had all of these ambitions. Like I, I was going to make cookies and that didn't happen. I did make dog biscuits. I was thinking uh, I was going to put some phrasing Mm-hmm. In the uh, like the notes mm-hmm. and the uh, the social posts, yeah. it was just automatic. Yeah, no. come check us out. We're not those people, Frank babe. And, Frank and Jen <laughs> getting into Dybbuk. <laughs> yeah, we aren't those people. I guess not. <laughs> I, uh, one could hope, huh? Maybe someday, but for right now. For right now, no. correct. Yeah. Well, it's tough. I always tell people when they're they're thinking of doing this, like how much work it really is. I mean, aside from let's get past the book report <laughs> that we have to do every yeah. single week. Mm-hmm. It's coming up with the the ideas for episodes. Mm-hmm. Then it's that's then the it's, easiest. Part. Then it's tracking down sources. Like, do we want to buy books? Yeah. Do we want to just rely on you know what we can turn up from internet searches it, it is kind of convoluted and then there's the actual doing notes putting putting that all together mm-hmm. so again that's part of the book report and then it's and then it's doing it yeah and then you do all the the magic all the hocus pocus and then all of a sudden <laughs> boom i can hear it on mondays <laughs> on my podcast app <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's an Tell effort. Tell me how you do it, Alistair. <laughs> it's <laughs> what is this voodoo that you do? <laughs> it's an effort. I we've done it streamlined as best as we can do. Yeah. Uh, I think I envy like getting to a hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. I really envy the ones that are with a network that have editors mm-hmm. and like people doing the audio engineering mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think for a while, that's why I really couldn't listen to Joe Rogan at all. There's a lot of reasons why I can't listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, but 
but that was one of them where I just was like, yeah, it must be nice just to walk in, Say sit some down, words, talk to some people. And it's all dialed yeah. in. Everything's yeah. all set up. Yeah. You like know. you literally just, you don't have to do the, the book no. report. For no. instance, today my but, notes are eight pages. But I look at it this way too. This is the big reason why we don't do guests. Yeah. Like it's hard enough to coordinate ourselves. It really truly is. And I and I tell people that who are looking to get into it, do it on your own. Yeah. And that was a good advice we had from that gentleman uh that I encountered online where he's like get yourself in the yeah. show. Yeah. And then maybe branch out to guests cuz mm-hmm. once you have guests, you're chained to guess Mm -hmm. and you have to have guess every single week and the idea of that scares the hell out of me well i mean how many times have we put off a recording because something's come up or Mm -hmm. you know one of us has a migraine shuffle things around barely functioning but with a guest like now you're dealing with someone else's schedule yeah and i mean our host through excuse me our host through Captivate is awesome in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's got the yeah. whole scheduling um, calendar and all that stuff built in. And you can send out like the calendar avail- right. availability. Yeah. But it's sitting there like, yeah, no, I, I'd have to have like mm-hmm. Thursday at eight. We're doing an Period. episode. the end. Yeah. And there's no way around it. There's no, yep. you know, because that's the only time that person has. And yeah, that's where if we got into it more of a... Um, I say full part time. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. yeah. If 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 it was one of those deals where one of us didn't have to work, mm-hmm. and we could dedicate full time hours to the podcast, it would it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. That is not the case. You know, no. We both have our full time jobs, yes. and this is our part time fun thing. Mm-hmm. At times, it's it's strenuous. Mm-hmm. But I always like. Launch day on Monday in the morning mm-hmm. when I get to work, it's already launched out and I'll check and I'll look and I'll see that all of it's working. Yeah. And then like Tuesday and Wednesday, it still goes and it's mm-hmm. just, it's sustainable yeah. at this point. Like it's uh, not economically, but. Right. Yes. But like the life cycle of the show, it mm-hmm. has this uh, sustaining quality to it. And <laughs> you folks who just keep piling in. It's yeah. awesome. I yeah. mean, I just uh, that's we, why we do it. Honestly, we, uh, yeah, it's 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 a good good reason why. I, I think that's what keeps us going when we don't want to do it. I get super jazzed. Yeah, honestly, especially when a new state mm-hmm. or holy cow, a like new, a new country, a new country is fun. It's yeah. like what? Yeah, we're just. We're just two little nobodies. In central New York. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in a studio, mm-hmm. talking some shit. Yeah, a makeshift <laughs> studio. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. And we thank you so much for coming through, you know, especially the... The hardcore horror fanatics yeah. going through the, the OGs, e- the original gangsters, going through the hundred episodes with us. Uh, this one's uh, you know who you are. Yeah, this one's sweet for us in that regard. And uh, for the new folks, we hope you uh, stick around for a hundred more. And uh, yeah, because we definitely got a hundred more in us. That's uh, I mean, at least yeah, yeah. Well, we sat it's, down. It's shocking how many new things. Yeah, I just stumble across, and I'm like, yeah. Ah, 
never would even thought of that. But you know what? Pretty freaking perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when we started out, we made the list mm-hmm. and we had three years just off that list because it was like 150 or I'm, I'm sorry. No, uh, it yeah. was it was two years. It was two years. Yeah. And then we started then we, adding to the list. Yeah. And, you know, we would get recommendations and suggestions and we would take what we were bump what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Put it back in the in the master list. Yeah. So I mean, it it's continually Here's evolving the thing, though, and growing. Next year, off the top of my head, I could come up with fifty more episodes mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, snap of a finger, mm-hmm. I could write them right down. Yeah, and no issues at all mm-hmm. for another fifty fifty two episodes. So yeah, we're looking forward to the future with all the horror. We are without a doubt. We are uh, and. This little podcast that could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And effectively we've, uh, I think we've tripled our listeners since the first three, four months we were doing this. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Which is. All organic. Fun. Oh artisanal. yeah. Artisanal. Yeah. No, <laughs> no big uh, ad campaigns or, you know. Guys, I just made you artisanal. I'm sure. So you're, you're like fancy and bougie now. If that's a thing. <laughs> So, yeah, we're doing the Dybbuk. The Dybbuk and the Dybbuk box, box. for said Dybbuk. Yeah. yeah. I was um, kind of happy this, uh, we didn't even really plan this to be 100. No, we didn't. But I think um, it's cool because it's like right down to our roots Yeah, of stuff yeah, that. Like, it definitely is. This is one of the things that, was it, it was the movie with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm-hmm. Possession? The Possession? The Possession, I think. Something? Yeah. Where his daughter picked up the Dybbuk box at a uh, yard sale. Mm-hmm. And then the shit that followed. And that's when I was like, huh, is that really a thing? And then you jump into Jewish mysticism and you're like, huh, well, at least the evil spirit, the Dybbuk sure is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that sends you down this, well, let's get into it. Yeah, I say so. I've got, for sources... Drum more, drum roll, please. Say it isn't so. It's so. No way. The Encyclopedia of Demons and Demonology by Rosemary, Rosemary. Allen oh, Guiley. Rosemary, our favorite. She also throws in the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits mm. by Rosemary Allen Guiley. Thanks, Rosemary. Rebooting.com glossary mm-hmm. for, I used that for uh, one of the terms to Get the definition of it. Sure. Travel Channel. Haunted Dybbuk 1 on eBay causes bad luck. And then Inverse.com. It's the uh, Dybbuk, Manus, Bagans, Haunted Box Revelation. Sure. So we'll get to that at the end. Mm. So let's, your sources. Uh, mine were pretty simple. Yeah. Because I knew you went uh, knee deep in here. And sure and did. I've read a lot on this in the past. Yeah. So I knew you'd capture it the brunt of it, but, uh, I did some perusing on the Jewish chronicle.com mm-hmm. yep. and the Jewish virtual library. Okay. Dot org. Yep. And then there was uh, some neat stories on the paranormal periodical or periodical boy. This is going to be fun today. It, words are dot hard. Tumblr.com. Okay. Yeah. Well, and 
before we get into this, mm-hmm. uh, a piece of news. Yeah, I was going to say, are yeah. we gonna? Yeah, I I had every intention of starting it out, and then I just get in show mode, like, let's go, let's do this. Uh, for those of you that have been listening for a while, mm-hmm. four months ago, my mom got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer mm-hmm. at age 81. Mm-hmm. And it was a rough ride to in the beginning, you know, just emotionally and yeah. getting through. But uh, I am proud to say, thanks to your just amazing thoughts, amazing yep. prayers, mm-hmm. she's cancer free. Yeah. And how about that? We're just very blessed. Non-operable and, stage four lung cancer. Yeah. Yeah. In four months. Gone. The doctor even said, miraculous. Yes. Yeah. The, even the doctor yep. said that. So when a doctor says miraculous, that's pretty uh, It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But for those of you that have uh, put your thoughts out there for us, uh, we really, really appreciate it. And have been it. listening to the podcast all along. We did announce when she was sick because yeah. we didn't know how it was going to oh, affect Oh, I had no idea schedule. at that point. I Honestly, yeah. I thought, because uh, I went over there for a week or so when it was all kind of starting yeah. and going with the treatment. And uh, I remember having conversations with you on the phone mm-hmm. from there and saying, you know, we might have to. Yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to do October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then October came and October was working out and mm-hmm. she was just like good. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Uh, never really had any of the, the sickness and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up briefly just to say thank you very much for your thoughts. Yeah. And your prayers and uh, and for those of you that are newer and listening to the story, if you get somebody that comes down with cancer, don't give up right away. No, there's a lot of different treatments. No. and make sure they are getting that next gen testing. Yeah. It's the next gen testing. It's really it's, important. It's super important because mm-hmm. that can help determine yeah. the uh, treatment plan. Yeah. So forward. specifically, what it does, because this is an educational thing, I'd like to share. Yeah. If you have cancer or you know someone, a family member that has cancer and they're getting treated through a doctor and they haven't done what's called next gen testing, I would look somewhere else that offers it. Yes. It's what super that, important. What that does is it shows, it breaks down the cancer and it'll it'll actually bump it up against a database of the exact mutation of cancer that it is. Right. And there's a lot of companies in the last five years that have made huge advances in, in cancer research and cancer treatment. So my mother, for example, she had the rare one of the rarest forms of cancer that yeah. you can get. She had the like the rarest it's mutation one for of that them. particular yeah, cancer. It's, it's yeah. one of them. And and uh it's only one percent of the people that get cancer get this. Right. And they had this uh, just past experimental, just past uh, uh, clinical trials. Uh, right. They, but only 250 people have taken this stuff. Yeah. And it's had some good results. And with my mom, amazing results. Right, yeah. She had cancer in the chest cavity, uh, in, the, in the fluid in her chest cavity. She had a mass on her lung that was inoperable. Mm-hmm. And she had uh, cancer in her lymph nodes. And we were thinking, okay, yeah, let's see where this goes. And here we are four months later and her... Treatment worked. 
Yeah, her her scan was clear, no yep. hot spots, uh, and where the mass was, just some scarring. Yep. So, don't give hope on it. For those of you that pray, yeah, keep doing what you're doing because it works. It sure does. Don't let anybody tell you different. So we go from this great news, yeah, to to talking about what's essentially a type of demon. A demon. Yeah. So that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, what is a dibic? Yeah. A dibic in Jewish demonology is an evil spirit or doomed soul that possesses a person's body and soul, speaking through the person's mouth and causing such torment and anguish that another personality appears to manifest itself. The term dibuk, and it can be spelled two ways, Mm -hmm. D-Y-B-U-K-K, also D-I-B-B-U-K, was coined in the 17th century from the language of German and Polish Jews. It's an abbreviation of two phrases, dibuk merua, a cleavage of an evil spirit, and dibuk minhas hiznum, Hizonim, which is a dimmick from the demonic side of man. Prior to the 17th century, the dibbik was one of many evil spirits called Ibur. So what's an Ibur? Ibur, Ibur, singular, but there's the plural is Iburum, is a form of ghost possession that appears primarily in rabbinic mystical writings. The term Ibur is etymological etymologically derived from the word for impregnation. Unlike a dibuk, which typically enters a person against their will, an ibur is a form of possession that is intentionally cultivated by the living host. In the classic formulation of Kabbalists working in the tradition of Isaac Luria, from 1534 to 1572, uh, 1572, an abur possession is a technique for seeking perfection of the soul. Those seeking to purify or elevate themselves can seek power and aid from the spirit of a mighty ancestor. By joining one's own vital energies to a guide from the spirit world, new pathways in life and new habits of thought are made possible. So in early folklore, Dibukim were thought to only inhabit the bodies of sick people. Possessive evil spirits are referred to in the Old Testament. Example, Samuel 1 describes the possession of Saul and the way David exercised the spirit was by playing the harp. In the book of Tobit, the archangel Raphael instructs Tobit in the ways of exorcism. In rabbinical literature of the first century, exorcisms called for ashes of a red heifer, or roots of certain herbs to be burned under the victim, who was surrounded with water. Other methods included incantations in the name of King Solomon, repetition of the divine name of God, reading from Psalms, and wearing herbal amulets. By the 16th century, the concept of possessive evil spirits changed. Many Jews believed the spirits were transmigrated souls that could not enter a new body because of their past sins and were forced to possess the body of a living sinner. The spirits were motivated to possess a body because they were tormented by other evil spirits if they did not. Some thought the Dibikum were the souls of people who were not properly buried and therefore became demons. The Kabbalah contains rituals for exercising a Dibuk. Many are still in use today. The exorcism must be performed by a Baal Shem, a miracle-working rabbi. Depending on how the exorcism is done, 
the Dybbuk either is redeemed or is cast into hell. It usually exits the body of the victim through the small toe, which shows a small bloody hole at the point of departure. So let's get into the Dybbuk box. Okay. You know, the uh, what we saw in the movie. What started the discussions on all of this was the following. A haunted Dybbuk box was won on eBay and caused the new owner a tidal wave of bad luck, if you will. And this is an article by Aaron Rasmussen. The quote is, all I knew is I got this thing and I got very ill. I don't know what happened. I still don't know, he said. So a man who purchased a wine cabinet off eBay believes the wooden box, which served as inspiration for the horror film Possession. (laughs) Ha ha! Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Maybe haunted by a malicious spirit called a Dibook. In June 2003, Jason Haxton won the online auction, but when he received the box in the mail, it came with some unexpected consequences, if you will. Mm -hmm. The day it arrived, this is a direct quote, I put my hands on it, and it almost feels like the thing collapses into a liquid state, Haxton told my San Antonio. I feel like a knife is coming into my gut. I'm paralyzed in pain. When I go to bed, I have terrible dreams of a hag that seems to come with this box. Haxton, 63, said he first heard about the box from a colleague whose roommate had listed it for sale after bizarre experiences, including hair loss and smelling bad odors that he associated with a Dybbuk. The box's owner put it on eBay under the title Dybbuk Haunted Jewish Wine Cabinet Box, referencing an evil spirit in Jewish folklore believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person that possesses the living. According to the listing, the person selling the piece had purchased it in 2001 at an Oregon estate sale of a Holocaust survivor who passed away at 103 years old. The listing stated the woman got the wine cabinet while living in Spain, and it was among the few things she brought with her when she immigrated to America after the war. The woman's granddaughter, the listing noted, told the person who bought the box at the sale that growing up, she recalled, quote, it was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. And the grandmother said it was, quote, never, ever to be opened, end quote. Paxton paid $280 for the box, which instead of wine, contained a goblet, two locks of hair tied with string, pennies from the 1920s, a dried rosebud, a cast iron candlestick holder, and a granite statue engraved with gilded Hebrew letters. Haxton said he didn't believe the stories associated with the box since he was, quote, too science-based, end quote, and he began experiencing what he has called a tidal wave of bad luck. It's just a weird amount of things in a box. That Here's you're, the thing. That though. you're not supposed to open. If the box is supposed to be the vessel that contains mm-hmm. this exercised demonic yeah. soul, what's with all this other weird stuff? Like it should just be the box. An empty box, essentially, because what's filling it is the demonic spirit, unless Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be stuff to, I don't know, maybe amuse the spirit while they're in there. See, this is where 
I lasted 25 minutes. This is where <laughs> this is where haunted objects lose me. Yeah. Just yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. I don't understand haunted objects. As much as I want want to try and now, as much as I, I put an effort to it, but after doing a hundred episodes, right, yes. I every time we get into haunted objects, I it's a hard leap for me. Because mm-hmm. like I said, even like the box, like so you're told you're not supposed to open this box and then you open it up and then you got all these strange innocuous contents in it. Yeah. And innocuous and honestly random that, and don't even seem to go together. Yeah, don't even seem to go together. So that alone would make me uncomfortable opening a box like that. Like, why why is this stuff a problem? You know, let me get into haunted objects. Let me just say, let's just say I'm I'm in. Right. That that would be worse than like an awesome pocket watch, and that's it. But okay. But it still have the same impact on Here's me. another thing. <laughs> if somebody is telling you, hey, this is a haunted box. Mm-hmm. Just so that you know, in in our religion, the specific spirit that's supposed to be associated with this box, like, you don't open this. Mm -hmm. Because doing so is going to unleash a series of unfortunate events, to quote Lemony Snicket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could, in clear conscience, open it. I would just be like... See my box I can't open? It's got a ghost in it or something. Yeah, but that goes against the whole human nature of people avoiding things that they're told they shouldn't do. Right. You know, it goes against the grain of it. And that's what makes me take a leap more forward with it's not the box that's haunted or corrupt or demonic. Hear me out, though. Mm -hmm. Say you got a box. Nothing particularly special about said box. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how am I going to unload this? Yeah. I don't want this. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to throw it out. Mm-hmm. What better way to get rid of it than to be like, Psh, I mean, it's haunted. And yeah. we were always told, don't open it. Because opening it is the worst thing you can do. And you just took a bunch of other random just, shit that you threw you in this box. just gave me a great idea. I think I'm going to start going uh, estate shopping. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy all these old boxes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to put some innocuous stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, look, I have this haunted box. I don't want it anymore. Put it on eBay. So let's you know. start back in. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get into the juicy nuggets. Let's jump Shall into we? this. Yeah. All I knew is I got this thing and I got ill. I don't know what happened. I still don't know, he said. Haxton noted all of his problems vanished when he followed a rabbi's advice to place the wine cabinet in a gold-lined wooden container to negate whatever spirit was haunting it. He now keeps the cabinet, quote-unquote, safe inside a military-grade case, which he buried. Mm. Thousands of people are begging to take it off my hands at any price, but it's not ethical for me to sell it. It's yeah. not for sale, he told my San Antonio. Still, there's one person who refuses to accept the dig- the Dybbuk box, his mother, Rhea Haxton. He keeps telling me he's going to give it to me for my birthday, and I keep telling him I don't want it. She said, I've got enough problems. So that's his story. He is supposed to have 
bought it from another person who bought it from an estate sale. Yeah. I found the original story of the original person who bought it from the estate sale. Oh, look at you. Because that's the kind of bitch I am. Look at you. Look at you, uh, (laughs) little Watson. Finally, the truth behind the haunted Dybbuk box can be revealed. The cursed cabinet inspired a Hollywood film, spooked Post Malone, and now the man who first sold it on eBay in 2003 is coming clean. Mm-hmm. Back in 2001, Kevin Manis was out visiting yard sales, looking for supplies for his furniture restoration business, Hole in the Wall Shop, located uh, in Burnside Bridge in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. The story goes, he purchased the old wine cabinet from the granddaughter of the recently deceased Holocaust survivor named Havala who escaped Nazi-occupied Poland. Havila's parents, brothers, sister, husband, two sons, and daughter were all killed. She, she, along with other survivors, fled to Spain and lived there until the end of the war. When Havila, who lived to 103, emigrated to the U.S., the wine cabinet was the only one of three items she brought with her. As Manus paid for the cabinet, Havala's granddaughter said, I see you bought the Dybbuk box. Manus wasn't familiar with the term. The granddaughter told him her grandmother always kept it shut and out of reach because there was a Dybbuk, the evil, restless spirit that possesses the living, inside it. The seller purportedly told Manus it was never to be opened, and if it was, bad things would happen. He did not heed this warning. Manus, who was in his mid-30s at the time, took the box back to his shop with plans to restore it and give it to his mother for her birthday. After opening the cabinet, he found a series of strange objects inside. Two U.S. wheat pennies dating to 1925 and 1928, two locks of hair, dried rosebud, a four-legged candlestick, a golden wine cup, and a granite sculpture inscribed with the Hebrew word shalom. The Shema, a prayer considered to be one of the most important in Judaism, was carved on the back of the cabinet. Manus gave the box to his mother, Ida, on Halloween. In a 2012 interview on the TV series Paranormal Witness, Ida describes feeling a cold breeze from the box as she opened its doors, then experiencing, quote, pure evil coming out. She says she immediately had a stroke. Over the course of two years, a number of other mysterious events befell Manus and those around him. His sister got creeped out by the cabinet because the doors kept opening on their own. His brother and sister-in-law complained of odd smells coming from the box, like cat urine and jasmine. That's, that's a, a nice combo. That's right a there. lovely bouquet. Yeah. Manus and his siblings suffered from the same recurring nightmares of an old woman with sunken eyes. And most disturbingly, he says, the brother of a store employee died by suicide shortly after visiting the shop and knocking the cabinet off the shelf. A couple of years later, the worker himself also took his own life. Manus, at one point, tried to give the box to his then-girlfriend, but after keeping it for a time, she forced him to take it back. Then he began seeing what he later described as shadow things in his peripheral vision. Listing it on eBay in 2003, Manus, who has a background in writing, 
advertising, and entertainment, wrote a very long and detailed product description in which he dubs the item a Dybbuk box. I'm sure he did. Manis's eBay listing details how he got it, the strange things that happened to him and his family afterward, and why he wants to get rid of it. Toward of the toward the end of the description, he writes, "Help me." Since then, the Dybbuk box has captured the popular imagination, becoming the stuff of internet legend and commerce. You can buy Dybbuk boxes of all shapes and sizes on Etsy, eBay and a website specifically dedicated to them, the Dybbuk Box Store. You can even watch people open Dybbuk Boxes on YouTube. And I can confirm, you can find Dybbuk Boxes on eBay ranging from 20 bucks to a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. There's more. In 2011, a subsequent owner of Manis's Box, Jason Haxton, released a book about the box. The director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, Haxton, has studied American antiques and ancient artifacts for decades and was fascinated fascinated by the mysterious wine cabinet. In his book, he details what befell him, everything from bleeding eyes to random choking attacks to, yes, recurring dreams of a creepy old woman in the first few months after buying the box. In 2012, the most prominent of three movies about the Dybbuk box, The Possession, produced by filmmaker Sam Raimi, was released. Both Manis and Haxton were production consultants on the film. In an Entertainment Weekly article published around the time of the movie's release, director Ole Borndal claims that really weird things happened during production. He describes standing underneath an unlit neon light that randomly exploded and says that five days after shooting wrapped, all of the props from the film were destroyed in a mysterious fire. Over the past five years, Dybbuk fever has hit an all-time fever pitch thanks (laughs) to one man, famed ghost hunter Zach Baggins. There we go. The host of the Travel Channel's ghost adventure shows and its slew of spinoffs. In 2016, Haxton sold the box to Baggins. You know, the box that was buried in the gold-lined case that he told everybody wasn't for sale? No, he sold it to Baggins for a sum neither party is willing to reveal. Mm. And that year, Baggins featured both Manis and Haxton on an episode of Ghost Adventures, Deadly Possessions, also known as Ghost Adventures, Artifacts in which he brings the box to his haunted museum in Las Vegas. Today, it's one of the museum's highlights, touted as, quote, the world's most haunted object, end quote. Last year, the now 44-year-old Baggins opened the box on an episode of Ghost Adventures, Quarantine. He supposedly heard it say Kevin, referencing Manus, and Evil, then heard a child's voice. The show captured on camera what Baggins and his crew claimed was a figure that manifested inside the box. The highlight of the episode, however, at least from the media standpoint, was security camera footage of Baggins and his friend, the musician Post Malone, touching the closed Dybbuk box prior to Baggins opening it. Okay, so technically Malone doesn't touch the box. Baggins had his hand on it while Malone was touching his shoulder. That's the source I have, too. But the bad vibe supposedly transferred 
to Post Malone. In the ensuing months, his private plane was forced to make an emergency landing. His San Fernando Valley home was broken into, and he was involved in a car accident. Incidents he would later talk about on Seth Meyers' late night show. Sure. So, of course, over the years, there have been plenty of skeptics. Various reports, including this 2004 Los Angeles Times story and this 2012 Riverfront Times piece have cast doubt on the legend of the Dybbuk box. In a 2019 column, Skeptical Inquirer Inquirer magazine writer Kenny Biddle dismissed the haunted wine cabinet as as a hoax. As proof, Biddle posts a screenshot of a Facebook post from Manus dated October 24th, 2015. This is from the Facebook post. I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that Dybbuk boxes have some kind of history prior to my story and the idea that a Dybbuk box could contain anything other than a Dybbuk, along with any deviation to the type of contents I created to be found inside of a Dybbuk box is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. I'd personally never heard of the Dybbuk box until February when I interviewed a paranormal investigator for a podcast I'm creating. I was immediately obsessed. I poked around on social media and eventually went to the one place I figured I could get answers, Reddit. I asked (laughs) users in various paranormal subreddits about it. Though I got a few responses, this reply from a user named Manistar stood out. There were only 10 authentic and original Dybbuk boxes ever created. The term Dybbuk box was never used or known prior to 2001. I was the original owner. You may contact me and ask any questions you might have. Answers about Dybbuk boxes my experience with them, or anything related from anyone else are probably a bunch of crap. So the author is like, is this Kevin Manis himself? (laughs) He quickly replied, but didn't hear back. So he found Manis on Facebook and messaged him, asking if he would be willing to speak with this guy. A few hours later, he agreed to a phone call. When I get Manis on the line a few days later, he quickly tells me that there's no such thing as a Dybbuk box in Jewish folklore and explains to me the origin and meaning of the Hebrew word Dybbuk, which essentially is a spirit that cleaves onto the soul of another living being. It's kind of an oxymoron, he says, speaking from his current home in Paris, Tennessee. Dybbuks don't live in boxes, so a Dybbuk box, by definition, doesn't make any sense. This confuses me. If there... Is there or isn't there a Dybbuk box? So the whole thing was made up. I ask, the whole backstory of it coming from a Holocaust survivor? No, 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 I'm not saying that, he replies. He explains the term Dybbuk box came from the Holocaust survivor who somehow imbued the wine cabinet with supernatural powers and that her granddaughter used the term when he bought it from her in 2001. As he's telling me this, he starts stumbling over his words and then quickly changes the subject. I ask Manus, now 56, if he's Jewish, to which he replies, yes. I reveal to him that I'm Jewish as well. We talk about our shared Eastern European heritage, Kabbalah, 
an ancient form of Jewish mysticism, and Jewish folklore like the Gollum. We chat for about an hour and a half, all told. I let Manus go, and we agree to talk later. Just over an hour later, he sends me a Facebook message telling me how great it was to talk to me and offers any assistance I need with the story. He encourages me to ask him difficult questions, to back him into a corner, and even tells me not to be afraid of calling him on bullshit if I think there's something he's not telling me. It's as if he's prodding me to get the truth out of him. Haxton, 63, was actually the second owner of the box after Manus. Losef Nietzsche, also referred to as Joseph, bought it from Manus on eBay for 140 bucks. Nietzsche, a Missouri college student who was roommates with a co-worker of Haxton's in February 2004, sold it to Haxton, again via eBay, for 280 bucks. In Nietzsche's eBay post, he detailed strange things that happened to him while in possession of the box, everything from car troubles to strange smells to hair loss. Nietzsche kept on kept an online blog detailing some of these events, but that's since been deleted, and he's now practically a ghost online. I found an email address for him, but my messages just bounced back. Though both Manis and Haxton received money from their work on the possession, Haxton seems to have benefited the most from the Dybbuk box, financially and publicity-wise. He's considered the expert on the subject, partly because he had it the longest out of all its owners, partly because he wrote the book, and partly because he's made himself so available for media appearances. Jason was very Johnny on the spot to make money off it, Manis says. Haxton whom I've spoken to on the phone and emailed with quite a bit, has some criticism of his own for Manus. Quote, I think Kevin was shocked because though he might have come up with the idea and the concept, he would have never gotten the book written, Haxton says. He never finishes anything. He would have never gotten the movie done. I got red carpet treatment and everything. I was with the stars, and he was the background noise. And it probably pissed him off, but that's the way it is. Manus, for his part denies that the fame surrounding Haxton's book and public appearance ever bothered him. Some of the rivalry between the men can be explained by the end of Haxton's book, in which he calls Manus out, accusing him of making the whole thing up. Despite this assertion, Haxton believes the Dybbuk's the Dybbuk box's powers are real. His theory? Manus himself cursed it using Kabbalah. Did the Con man get conned by God, Haxton says. That's seriously my take on it. Someone screwed around thinking it was funny and that they were in control. It's like playing with fire. It was funny until it wasn't. It was funny until it happened. Yeah. Regardless of whether he made it or not, it's it really doesn't matter, he continues. It had to start somewhere, but something is there, and it's bigger than Kevin. The next time I talk to Manus, I take him up on his advice. I call him on his bullshit. And that's when he tells me everything he wrote in his 2003 email listing is a work of fiction. Quote, I'm a creative writer, he says. The Dybbuk box is a story that I created, and the the Dybbuk box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago. End quote. Yeah. Which is what, I ask him. Quote, which is to become an interactive horror story in real time, yeah. end quote, he says. Though Manus did buy the wine cabinet at a yard sale, it was from an attorney, not the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Quote, the carving in the back of it is my carving. 
The stone that was in the Dybbuk box is something that is a signature creation of mine also. Make no mistake, I conceived of the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, the idea, and wrote this creative story around it to post on eBay. End quote. I verified with his two friends, with two of his friends, Kurt Morris and Matthew Shaggy Christensen, who worked with Manis at a bar called Club Underground in Beverton, Oregon. At the time, he was concocting his story. The hair in the Dybbuk box? That's my hair. Yeah, Christensen confesses. Kevin is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met, Morris tells me over the phone. The specific box was Kevin at a low point needing some money. And in his brilliant mind came up with an incredible story that he knew would sell. And it became the phenomenon that it is now. Mana says it wasn't money issues that motivated him, but relationship problems with his girlfriend and a host of other bad luck events. He says he channeled all of that negative energy into his tall tale. Quote, at the time I created the Dybbuk box, it was during Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. He writes in a Facebook message to me, quote, I created the box whilst praying and asking for forgiveness for all of the sins that I had committed that I knew about, and perhaps even more important, the sins I had committed that I didn't know about, end quote. Not everything about Manus' story was fake, however. Quote, I did give her the box on Halloween, he tells me, referring to his mother, who has since passed. Quote, she did have that stroke, end quote. But what about the interview she did on Paranormal Witness, I ask? Quote, it was an outstanding bit of motherly support and an Oscar-winning performance, Manis replies. He tells me that while she was doing that interview, she was still recovering from her stroke. And if you listen closely, you can hear it in her speech. Quote, I didn't talk to her or coach her or commiserate with her before she did her interview. End quote. He later tells me, that the suicides of the shop worker and his brother were real, although I have not been able to independently verify those events. And the possibility of Haxton and Manus being in on the hoax together? Quote, I don't know, Jason, except through the sale and the research and everything that has to do with the box after I sold it, Manus tells me. Quote, there was certainly no collusion at any time between him and I, end quote. Manus admits he added new elements to the Dybbuk box story over the years to help evolve it, keep it relevant and interesting. As Haxton did more press and the popularity of the story grew, Manis says the only way to regain control and to have viable assets was to keep writing the story. On Ghost Adventures, Quarantine, Manis told another part of his ongoing ghost story. He had given Baggins a second, smaller Dybbuk box, and on the show said there were a total of 10 boxes that were hidden around the globe. Manis explained that Havala, along with a few other Jewish women, including someone named Sophie, summoned an evil spirit to help the Jews fight against the Nazis during the Holocaust, but that they couldn't control it. The same spirit... Havala believed caused some of the 20th century's greatest disasters, including the Korean War. Knowing what they had done was wrong, Havala eventually captured the Dybbuk and separated it into 10 Dybbuk boxes. If those boxes are ever brought together, evil will be unleashed, the likes of which the world has never seen. Bagan now has two of them, while Manus had six. The last two, Manus claimed, were yet to be found. I could point them to where they can get more if they want. (laughs) Bagans has been accused in the past of dramatizing, even 
fabricating paranormal events on his show. Of course, he's got a show. Manis says that while shooting Ghost Adventures, Deadly Possessions, he wasn't given clear instructions as to what to expect. After getting mic'd up, Manis says he was told to go take a look at the Dybbuk box. I'm waiting and I'm waiting, he recalls. And frankly, I thought maybe they've got some kind of technical issue. It's, it had probably been 20 to 25 minutes and I'm saying, hey guys, what are we doing? Are we shooting or what? Manis had to be back in Portland in a couple of days to do a spoken word performance featuring some children's poems he wrote. One of the poems is called The Shadow Man. He decided to run his lines in a British accent, he says. I forgot that I was wired for sound. It was, of course, included in the episode. After it aired, Manis says he received emails from people telling him that their own shadow about their own shadow man experiences. The shadow man has taken on a life of its own, yeah. he says, kind of like the Dybbuk box. Though Manis claims to be an avid student of Kabbalah and Judaism in general, he denies Haxton's allegation that he put any kind of curse or spell on the wine cabinet before selling it. In fact, Manis recalls talking to Haxton over the phone and telling him the box was fake. I said, listen, man, this is a ghost story, okay? I told Joseph, the initial e eBay buyer, that I'm sorry if he didn't tell you. His response to me was, Kevin, you don't have to pretend with us. This isn't to say Manis doesn't believe some of the strange things that have happened to him and other people who've come in contact with the Dybbuk box. He says that though he doesn't necessarily link it to the box, Haxton, Baggins, and he have all had uh, sewer-related problems while in position, possession of the wine cabinet. Manis claims that while doing radio interviews with Haxton over the years, the station's experienced technical difficulties and mishaps have also befallen listeners. When we've done radio interviews, people would call up and say, hey, my computer just burst into flames when I, bought a, when I brought a picture of the box up, he says. A woman called up during a show one time saying that her truck had caught on fire when she brought an image up. On the other hand, Manis says, He's had people accuse him of being a grifter and a scammer. People don't hold back when they're online, he says. They say very nasty things. Well, dude, it is a, it is a scam. Well, it, it's A, it's the internet. That's what people yeah. do. You could have the greatest story and they'll shit on it. Yeah. But also, I mean, all the stuff he does is questionable. But yeah, he comes out like, oh my God, you can't dispute this. It's like, yeah. I just did, you know. I mean, I just looked on Etsy. There are 886 results for a Dybbuk box. Yeah. And you know what? These things aren't cheap. No. They're anywhere from 50 bucks, 40 bucks to $300, yeah. $400. Um, eBay has a ton of them, and they start eBay, at 20 bucks. eBay has 186 results of ones that are already sold. Yeah. These are ones that have been sold recently. Yep. That was actual bid. There was a bid war for that one. Weird. $235.41. There's one 11 bids for $201. Yeah. I mean, it's... um, Now, I could see someone who would get into this and want to collect Dybbuk boxes. Why? Because they're just interested in the lore. Like, I could I could get that. Okay. You know? Because, I mean, you think about it. You could buy all these. Mm-hmm. 
do an investment of, let's say, five grand, mm-hmm. collect all these different Dybbuk boxes that people have made, and then just open a museum. Yeah. Open a museum and say Salem or something. Yeah. Everybody, oh, I'll pay, I'll pay ten dollars for that. Yeah. And go, go around look and at the look, at, boxes. look at the Dybbuk boxes and all that stuff. That's how this crap starts. Yeah. But I just don't get. You here's one. <laughs> Two thousand six hundred and fifty or uh, fifty dollars. Yeah, it's a collection of Dybbuk boxes in a chest. Yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah, you know, and then and there's they, only supposed to be ten. And then they have the then they have the proof, uh, you know, in the picture here in eBay. Some of them have with like the e meter, the EMF thing, where you know it's it's tilting over, showing the dark energy in it <laughs> and all that stuff and. I just, I, I held out as long as I could, and I just can't anymore. Yeah. The haunted objects things, I don't get. And we did Robert the Doll, and I think Robert the Doll was probably one of the more compelling ones. Yes. But at the end of the day, when people say these things happen to them, it's innocuous things that happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sewer goes out. Yeah. Everybody gets septic problems. Mm-hmm. Everybody has problems with electronics. Yeah. Everybody has problems with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can have it and it just be unoblivious to it until you connect it to one thing. Mm-hmm. It's the red car thing. It's, you know, like you, you don't like, see any red cars until you buy one. Yeah. And then, and then you're looking for red cars or, and that's or you're all looking you see. To, yeah. Or you're looking to buy a red car. And then that's all you see is red cars. There's a psychological term for that. Look it up. I... I don't have it on my notes, but it's it's a real phenomena. Yeah. And it's a phenomena that's not supernatural. It's not anything. It's just the way your brain works. Right. Yeah. Your it's brain like doesn't, seeing faces and things that are inanimate objects. Your brain only yeah. focuses on things that are right in front of you that you want to give focus to. Right. Yep. And that's and, and you can find that in anything you do. I know next year we're going to do numerology. I want to yeah. do it just to get it over with. Yeah. You know, because numerology is the answer to all of this stuff psychologically. Right. You know, it's the same thing with horoscopes. Vague stuff. Yeah. But then it's not vague when it's happening to you. Now it's pinpoint, you yeah. know. But yeah. you look at the description of what it was supposed to guide you and it's... But I don't get the whole haunted box thing, mostly because they're not demonic box. Right. As if, the de- if this demon is so powerful, how does it get trapped in a freaking box? Yeah. You know, and then you see these ones that are wax shut. Yeah. You know, it's like, really? Yeah. This is, this is insane. This writer actually, he not only confesses the hoax to our approaches yeah. Haxton with the hoax, but he also goes to Baggins. So this is my favorite part of the whole article. Hmm. So even when he reveals to Haxton that Manus confessed to making the whole thing up, Haxton maintains that everything that's happened to him because of the box is true. And ultimately, he says, it's been more of a blessing than a curse. I would call it a wish box, said Haxton. Whoever created the Dybbuk box gave it a power to do something. The creation of the Dybbuk box and its story created a a ripple effect in people's lives, referring to Manus. He adds, the sum of the Dybbuk box is greater than he ever imagined. So... He went to the current owner to see what he would make of Manis's admission. On Tuesday, I emailed Baggins, who initially declined to be interviewed for this piece via a haunted museum representative, to inform him of Manis's confession. 
This set off a flurry of communication between the two men that I later became privy to. Manus messages me via Facebook to say he'd just gotten a call from Baggins. Not good, he writes, not happy, and you won't believe this shit happening now around me. Seriously, like I'm getting bombarded with the curse. Then he lists the events that have happened to him in the last week, including his car breaking down, his girlfriend leaving him, her mother dying, and two of his friends passing away. I'm not going to go into the rest of the stuff that has occurred over the last seven days, he adds, but it is striking, to say the least, and it keeps on coming. Despite all this and a subsequent message, he still refers to the original Dybbuk box story he wrote as fictional. Later, I hear from Baggins via email. Since owning the Dybbuk box, there have been countless documented experiences people have had with it, Baggins writes, not just from myself, but my museum staff, my fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably, Post Malone. He also claims that multiple guests have been severely affected by the Dybbuk box room in his museum, some of them escorted out on a stretcher by EMT personnel. Quote, I don't believe this to be the full truth, he writes in response to what Manis told me about making the story up. He cites some of the things that have befallen Manis in the past week, which Manis has also shared with him. I think there is much more to the Dybbuk box, and regardless of its origins, it is very much cursed and evil, Bagans continues. I'm not surprised that more controversy and conflict keep arising from it. The Dybbuk box has always raised questions and intrigue, and this adds to its narrative. For those who always doubted Manus's story, this article is their confirmation. For those who believe in the Dybbuk box, Manus's admission won't have much effect on them at all. The Dybbuk box has been the focus of books, a major motion picture, and TV shows. Baggins writes in the conclusion of his email, there is more to this powerful, cursed item. Its story is still being told. And with that, Manus's interactive horror story begins a new chapter. Yeah, I just... But the even, cu- even his bad luck, you know what? Cars malfunction. No, none they of that is... down. None of that is measurable because, oh... They went to the Dybbuk box part of my museum. Now, the, there's other shit in yeah, the museum. Yeah. So how do you know the box did it? It's just, it's stupid. How do you know that they didn't have a blood clot making its way through it their system? Matter. No, let's and just. And it just happened to happen when they were in no, the Dybbuk room. No, let's just room. stay on the haunted part. Mm-hmm. Screw the medical stuff. You got a museum full of haunted shit. Yeah. And somebody goes in there and has a problem. Right when they left the Dybbuk thing. Was it the Dybbuk thing or was it all the other stuff? None of this crap is ever scientific. No. And I'm not saying it can be, but the fact is at least freaking try. Yeah. But you got this guy who's got a museum. He's got a show. Yeah. He's got skin in the game on this. Yeah. And everybody that sits there and buys it for what it is. Profiting off of it. Now, and this is the thing. If you really want to put the message out, Mm -hmm. do you really believe a box is haunted? Or you know, a de- you know a demon's yeah. in a box. I think the box is the door that you open. Mm-hmm. This is where I- I'll say it over and over again, and people say, "Well, that means it's demonic." No, yeah, it's the door. It's the door in your mind that you're saying, "I accept this to come into me." Yeah, and to me, that's how quote unquote demonic possessions happen. Yes, it's not a box. It's not anything. Or- it's just it's what it is. Is it's an idea. The idea is what the demonic shift is. Right. Because it's just it's stupid. I mean, even the best story that I've ever heard, ever, 
heard. And it's a fictional movie, by the way. It's the whole crux is for Harry Potter. Right, yes. Like that, I, I liked. And it was these individual whole cruxes that right. they were doing. And, and, and the spirit's weak. The the demon is weak. Yeah. And, and needs to, uh, this to, to stay alive a short time until it can get assembled all together. Right. And that, like, I thought was a great idea, but it's like, it's just too, it's good for a movie. It's good in physical space. Right. But paranormal stuff, if I'm even going to remotely entertain it, mm-hmm. it's the mind bit of it. Yes. Like that whole bit with Robert Dadawi did. Right. Their life was great. And if they vacationed everywhere and then somebody just gave the same type of story with a shoebox mm-hmm. versus Robert the doll. Yeah. They would have had the same thing happen to him, and they would have been writing letters to the shoebox saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't believe in you. Well, I'm sorry I took your, like, literally, Robert I'm the sorry doll, I take took your, a picture? your picture without permission. Are you kidding yeah. me? You know. My take on it is like curses. A curse is nothing, and you give it life when you believe in it. Yeah. Same thing with a Dybbuk box, same thing with a haunted item, same thing with even the Shadow Man. You believing in it is what gives it life, if you will, or can create it. So you, in essence, are creating your own bad luck. You, in essence, are creating your own circumstances. Or you're taking these completely unrelated items and you're relating them. At the end of the day, it comes down to you. If I was a demon and I look at this in the spiritual path that I'm going through because I see it everywhere. Yeah. I see it all over the place and it's the corruptible idea for you to just bring this in. And then once it's in, you're down this slippery path of acceptance of things that you normally wouldn't accept it for. And and you get this cognitive dissonance, this Mm -hmm. disapproval of things that you, you know, you would defend certain things and, and, and it, and it creates this chasm of evil Yeah, and, and just, yeah. Just evil, dark stuff, dark ideas, dark things. I mean, think about it. How dark do you have to be if you even got one of these and you said it affected to you and you're going to sell it on eBay to a stranger? Yeah. I'm sorry. If I had that, I would burn it. Yeah. I would burn it. Yes. I'd have a fire in my backyard and I'd burn the thing. I wouldn't destroy so it's to, it. To I wouldn't... protect anyone else. Yeah. Just yeah. end it right there. Mm-hmm. It's the idea bit. But if I was a demon and I can't get into you mm-hmm. unless you let me, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be around all these things that give you permission to do that. Right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to sit around, you know, I'm going to wait for you to lower your, your defense down. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what this is. Like the box isn't haunted. No. The box isn't demonized. It's a box. It's it's a form of an idea. Mm-hmm. It's all it is. And the moment you give into that, that's when demons, yeah. in my opinion, start getting into your mind. Yeah. There's people that won't even listen to this show and love us dearly. Right. Because they're just like, that's stuff you don't mess with. They right. think we're going too far by talking about right. it. Right. Yes. But my defense to that is, is I want to talk about stuff like this. Yeah. And just tell people like, it's not a box. It's not a doll. It's just, or it is just, just a, box. a box. It yeah. is just a doll. It's not, you know, it's not what you think it is. We were just talking about this the other day where, you know, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think homes are haunted. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. And I've thrown the gauntlet down on the show since the beginning. Yes. hundred episodes later. 
This is why I'm glad Dybbuk Box is 100. Yeah. Because it proves the point. I have not gotten one single call, one single email at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. And I check spam. Yep. I check all. I've gotten replies from conspiracy theorist people yep. that think I'm the dumbest person in the world. Mm -hmm. I've got all that that I can show. I've right, got yeah. stuff that I can show with cults and people saying, but I don't think you, you know, yeah. you don't get what, you know, you don't know what you're you talking don't know about. what you're talking you don't about. Know, man. You don't have all your facts straight and all that stuff. But I have never had one person reach out to me. I've had people reach out to me and say, I have stories to tell. Yeah. It's like, look, okay. I'm kind of cool with your stories. Mm -hmm. I'll put a pen in them. Yeah. Maybe if we get a, a video thing or a more interactive thing and this becomes bigger, I'll bring those people on. I'm not going to poo-poo their deal. If you believe that, you believe it. Right. But what I think is, is you're corrupt. Not the house. Yeah. Not the box. Not the doll. You are. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're going around to work and all these things are yeah. happening to you and the box is home. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. That's a you thing. Yeah. That's if, not the box. Yeah. If every home you go into and you're like, well, it's not haunted until I get in there. You're damn right. You're haunted. You're haunted. Yeah. Yes. It's just, yeah. I, I don't have any other way to explain that. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm my own living example of that because I've gone to people's homes that, oh, they're haunted and I don't hear a damn thing. Mm -hmm. I don't hear anything at all. I don't see anything at all. But I have a belief structure that locks me down that I don't give that crap room. No, you don't. I don't let that poison get into me. No. And instantly, even if I think or hear something weird, I'm already looking at the rational reason why. Mm -hmm. Or if I don't know what it is, I pray. Yeah. I pray immediately. Mm -hmm. Please protect me. Mm -hmm. Forgive me for my sins. Mm -hmm. Have mercy on my soul. Mm -hmm. And may I receive your grace. Yeah. And guess what, folks? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Yeah. You know, and it's that simple. All the exorcism books that I've read yeah. through actual Catholic bishops and, yeah. and, and priests that, that do this stuff, that's what they tell you. Every single, it works every single time. Yeah. And then, like I said, they have that guy that was working in the prisons in the mental yeah. health uh, wards and stuff like that with um, the schizophrenics. schizophrenics and just going through and reading Psalms and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, it just, the effect that it has on it. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. And the sooner people figure that out, the better they are. Right. Yes. There is a dark side. There is a light side. Mm -hmm. And you won't get an argument with that with people. They, oh, yeah, no, I believe that. Then what is it? Yeah. You got to go deeper. Yeah. You know, and maybe just look into it and, and really consider it. If there is a light and a dark side and right, there yes. is an evil and a good force out there, then that means there's an overarching theme right. to all of it. And, and that's what people really have to start looking at. Yes. But when they blindly follow these, uh, like, I just, I don't like the ghost hunting shows. I know it's, you don't. It's amazing. Yeah. We run a horror podcast. Yes. And I hate all the cliche things, the, the, the paranormal shows. Yes. And I dislike the, uh, the movies. Yes. Like I'm not a huge, like I like watching them, mm -hmm. but I don't like talking about them like this. Yeah. Because they're fake. Yes. I want to talk about the real stuff or the what at least people perceive as real. Mm -hmm. And there's some ghost hunters in the local area. And I want to talk to them and be like, look, I, I'm your guy. Yeah. You convince me. Yeah. You got yourself a show, dude. Right. Yeah. You got yourself some yeah. real findings if you can if you can have me 
look at this and at least be convinced that there's something weird going on. Right. Yes. I'm not even asking like I need, you know, be pushed down a flight of stairs or I any of that say, other stuff. Having watched all of those programs, um, I've not seen anything compelling. No. To make me believe. But if you get somebody who's ruled by their emotions yes. and let their emotions yes. pave the way for everything, they're guppy fish for that kind of stuff. You know, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. Um, Especially if you want to believe. Yeah. I I listen to um the Bigfoot Collectors Club and yeah. every time they have a guest on, which is that's how they do their show. They yeah. have guests yeah. come on. Yeah. And they ask them it's it's like a it's a game. They call it bullshit or believe it. Yeah. And last year their questions were like do you believe or like demons? Bullshit or believe it? And the number of people who would believe in angels mm -hmm. but call bullshit on demons yeah. would believe in heaven but call bullshit on hell yeah. or bullshit on heaven but believe in hell. It's like, I think you've missed the whole point. Yeah. Like, okay, sure, you can completely disregard this whole other thing, but you can't have light without the dark. You mm -hmm. can't have good without evil. So just you saying you don't believe in it, okay, but doesn't mean it doesn't it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. If you're going to entertain one, then you have to at least entertain the notion that the opposite also mm -hmm. occurs. No, definitely. And it was just, it was one of those things where <laughs> the number of times I heard bullshit with regard to like demons or you know, the, the negativity and, and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I would, I'm like, well, must be nice. Must be nice to completely disregard yeah. a whole thing that you, if you open your eyes and you look, you can clearly see it at well, work. Well, if you, no, if you don't want to see that. You're not going to, Then you're I not guess. going to. And that's where, like I said, I, like here again, back to cursed objects and demonic mm -hmm. objects. There are more objects than there are people. Yeah. Look at all the objects that are in this room yeah. and yeah. there's just two of us. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that a de a demon would only pick a certain yeah. type of thing that looks freaking obvious? <laughs> Why don't yeah. you just do that paper bag right over there? Yeah. Because I'm going to handle that paper bag. Yeah. I'm going to bring it to work with me. That yeah. That's going to work with me. Right, yeah. So if I was a demon, I, I'm going to get in that dental floss or I'm going to get yeah. in... You know, any of that stuff. Why is it these totally obvious looking boxes? You know, I mean, and that's that. that's I, where I laugh at that. Like the good and evil fight with things like that. Yes. Like to me, the, the whole demonic thing of this is the idea of this box. That's it. And here's the whole thing, though. If you how do you sell something in clear con with clear yeah. conscience that's supposed to have a demon in it? means you're corrupted by evil. It's that simple. Honestly, it really I think is. that's just a bunch of people who are like, if these people are stupid enough to buy it, I'm going to sell it. No, I know, but that's corrupted by evil. Mm -hmm. And that's where I say the idea is evil. And yeah. that to me is where demons live. Mm -hmm. Demons live in the corruptible idea game. Yeah. By the time you've touched this object, you're already corrupted. Yes. The game's over. It was when you started thinking about it. 
And you started thinking that whole bit. That's all a demon needs. Yes. That's all evil needs is yep. you to think about it. Mm-hmm. And the moment you think about it, if you don't resist right away, you're going right down the path. Mm-hmm. And this is how you see people that were nice at one point and they become these terrible people. Yeah. Because it's a series of compromises. Yep. And it's that onion. Mm-hmm. It's just that layers of onion that just go through and, you know, well, you can see this now. Then you concede that. Then right. you concede yeah. this. Now you're so deep in that you have to defend it because actually taking it on changes everything in your life. This yeah. is cults. Yeah. You know, this gets, these are why these are occult items, yes. you know, I mean, but you're dealing with cultish things mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's on an evil side. Right. Yes. I would never beg on a cult of good people. Exactly. I don't care what it is. Yes. You could be the starfish crew. Yeah. And just draw starfish and the starfish could be your God. Yep. And if you were just all about, you know, family values, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being a good person, yep. being generous, being, uh, uh, you know, a lack of ego yeah. and just have a lot of humility and be forgiving and, and, you know, carry grace within yourself. I wouldn't care. Right, yeah. I'd actually advertise and promote you. Be, right, you yeah. know, more people need to be like the Starfish crew. Right, yeah. But it doesn't work that way. No. Because that's evil. Evil's working. Yes. And it's just, it takes a little piece here, yep, a, little a little piece, piece there, there. And then now you got to defend it, which is the cognitive dissonance of it. Right. Where you're defending things that you normally wouldn't defend. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, and this doesn't just go to religion. It, I think... This is the Christian argument of it. This is what happens when you pull God out of your mm-hmm. life because now you're looking for God somewhere else. Right, yes. And you're looking for the justification of that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I always look like, you know, there's people that are just like, well, I'm spiritual. It's like, well, yeah, everybody is. Yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah. You know, it's not an elite crowd. Spirit. Everybody's spiritual yeah. for good, for worse, whatever. Yes. They know when they're doing bad. They know yeah. when they're doing good. Uh you know, even the Dahmer stuff is they talk about how, like, terrible he was, which he was. Yes. He's a terrible person, yes. broken person. Yes. But he knew, even he knew, he wasn't doing the right thing. Yes. He knew that he was on a path that, like, he couldn't stop. Yes. And it just kept going and yes. going and going. And he never knew when to put the brakes on and things mm-hmm. like that. All those serial killers. I, I think it's a real large thing where they say, oh, no, they have no feelings. They have no remorse. It's like, no, they do. They, they do, do have, have feelings. feelings. The passion they're having when they're killing that person yes. or raping that woman or, yeah. you know, doing that's whatever. That's why they have to keep doing it because that's the only time they can feel that that's, feeling. Yeah, they're feeling that feeling. And the problem is, and this is what I think, it's, I think, this is my personal opinion, not being a doctor, scientist or anything. Mm-hmm. I think serial killers are the extreme sense of addiction. Yeah. And I think that everyday living and everyday good feelings and things like mm-hmm. that, or or not good feelings, but uh, like an everyday rush of things is not enough. No. They're turned off and they have to go that hard. Yeah. And somehow at one point they got there and they just can't, like everything else is not enough. Right. It's just like an alcoholic. They mm-hmm. start with beer. Yeah. Then they move over to like vodka. Then they're, you know, going over to scotch or they're going over to whatever. Now they're mixing stuff, you know, and now I got to have a a Long Island iced tea that has seven different liquors in it and stuff like that. 
and I know it's a really leap of a connection, but what I'm getting at is, is it like, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. And you see that with drug addicts, like they get into, you know, they start smoking cigarettes yeah. and they get into booze, then they get into weed yeah. then they, uh, yeah, I'll do some Coke, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, if you love Coke, try crack or yeah. whatever, you know, you really think that's going, check this mess shit out. And, chase, chase the dragon. You know? Have yeah. No. And then you have yeah. that. And then the problem is, is once you take, you know, once you start getting into meth, all this other stuff is shit. Yeah. And it's the same thing, I think, in my opinion, with serial killers. Because, I mean... Yeah, whole, everything else is shit. The whole thing, you know, oh, they don't have any feelings. They're blocked off from feelings. And I know there's scientific evidence and stuff like that. But it's like, why do they keep doing that same thing? Mm -hmm. They're getting feeling from that. Yeah. They're getting a release from that. Yeah. And the reason they're getting a release from it is because they'll do that. And then they stop mm -hmm. for like five days, a week, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and some will go on the bender, but they always stop. Yeah. And they've just, they've had enough. Yep. They've gotten their yeah. fill. So. And then they there's chill some until, sort they, of, yeah. until they need to feed the desire again. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I think it's just like this stuff. Mm -hmm. You start dancing with evil, you get burned. Yeah. And you get burned hard and you lose your grasp of natural reality around you, mm -hmm. which I call natural reality, just the the goodness of, yeah. of everything. And you start losing that. Mm-hmm. It's where I always love those stories. I mean, the the most amazing one to date is uh, oh, the woman there that was all the occult and like left all of it. Kat Von D. Yeah, yeah, like that's a great example of that. Just like you know, I'm not saying she lost her way. I'm not saying whatever, but to go from one to be the gothic side, queen. yeah, the gothic queen, the the spokesperson, yeah, and then go the other side. And I'm not saying what she's following or whatever, no. but, but you have to take that into an account yeah. of this. And, and she came right out and well, I didn't hear her say it or whatever, but I read it yeah. and it was quoted by her. Just like, yeah, there is light and dark yeah, in here. There is. And if you live in dark, that's a bad, it's a bad place to be in. Yeah. And I think we all have our dark live pieces of our life. Mm -hmm that we've been involved in and then you get the light life. And you know, for some people it's just as easy as having kids Yeah, and they just see that and yeah. that's enough. Uh, there's others that help people and they just see what their, you know, their, uh, their generosity can do for mm -hmm. others. Um, but even that can get contaminated because if you're doing, if you're, if you're being generous to someone to look good in other people's eyes, you're not doing it for you're the right reason. You're not doing it for the right reason. You're not doing it to do it. You're doing it for the notoriety. And that's the corruptible part of the idea. The yeah. idea is the corruption. And that's where I look with Dybbuk boxes. Yeah. Now, the original Dybbuk, it's an interesting story. Yeah. You know, because it is the demon attached to it. The Dybbuk is the, the demon. And that demon is from a bad idea or a bad, right. you know, but you made a decision. But the whole point of the Dybbuk is the Dybbuk is either redeemed through the mm -hmm. exorcism or prayer or the the Dybbuk is cast into hell because it was not redeemed. Yeah. So it's not, it can't be in a box. But what it does is it clings. That's the whole Dybbuk story. You know, to the, back in to Juda a person, yes. to Judaism, and and the and the clinging is they're the inverse of the good, yeah. that it's clinging into, and where you'd see a good representation of that is Stranger Things, where you have the upside down, yeah. You know, yeah. so there's this inverse yes. that's in there, and people that get attached to the upside down, they have the inverse of themselves mm -hmm. as well, you know, and there's that's the good side and bad side. So, 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the whole dip dipic box thing is such a scam. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, if somebody was buying all these up to start a museum, God bless you, you know, because you're gonna make a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Not likely though. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do that. No. I just. Uh, I'm. I think there's better things you could do with your your time and your money. Yeah. I. I, I don't like the Museum of Haunted Objects things. No. It, bless you. Thank you. You know, yeah, I don't like the whole Haunted Objects Museum no. type thing. I just, I don't get it. Quote Dean. Stupid. <laughs> it sure is. So, that gives us Dybbuk Box. Yep. Dunzos. Episode 100. Yeah. Amazing to, amazing to think we've gotten this far. Mm-hmm. And then now we have 101. Yes. And what are we doing next? Cult of the month. It is. We're talking about the Oneida community cult. Yeah, we're going local. Yeah, we are. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Oneida is in New York. Yeah. And uh, what a crazy story this is. Cheers, Louise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very crazy. I, uh, I didn't even know this existed. Until I didn't either until I heard another podcast about it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute. This is a thing. Yeah. I and heard... I started diving into it and I was like, oh, Yeah. Yeah. The, is, the more I read into it, thing. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> this is crazy. It is a thing. Yeah. 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 I think this is like the big cult that no one knows about. No. You know, no. No one knows about, never heard of it. And then like. You're yeah. gonna listen to it, and you're gonna be like, "How did I not hear about, about this? this?" Yeah, you know, all yeah. over the news and all over yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's strange. It's strange, but yeah. So, rule number one: no Ouija boards. Number two: no dolls. Three: no capes. Four: no blood rituals. Five: no cults, satanic or otherwise. Six: no apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. And the next one? Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't mm-hmm. give them a ride. Don't let them in your house. Don't Just just don't. Just don't. Yeah. And last but not least? Just listen. Yeah. It's simple. It's so simple. It is so yeah. simple. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, folks, for sticking with us for 100 episodes. 100, yeah. And uh, we're going to just love being around for 100 more. Mm-hmm. And we hope yeah. you have a lovely day. A wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.